Episode 60, The Canaanites' Culture and Religion. Why would the Lord want to kill the Canaanites? All men, women, and children were to be killed. In essence, genocide. Was the Lord just wanting to kill the Canaanites because? Or was there a very specific reason that the Lord called for the Israelites to kill all of the Canaanites? Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we began talking about how God could call for the absolute destruction of the Canaanites. In this episode, we're going to talk about who the Canaanites were as a society. This will bring a little bit of light on why the Lord gave the command that he did. The Greeks would call the Canaanites the Phoenicians, which means purple in Greek, because they were known to be the people that worked with purple dye. The Bible says that the name Canaan comes from the grandson of Noah. Thus, the Canaanites would be the descendants of Canaan. When the descendants of Canaan first moved into the land that we are now calling the land of Canaan, they were nomadic tribes. They lived off the land, mostly hunter and gatherers that followed wherever they could get their food and food for their herds. Although, during this time, the land was not yet prepared for crops, which led the nomadic tribes to turn towards raising herds for a source of food. Eventually, the people would begin to move towards building and establishing cities within the land of Canaan. This would bring about trade within the region, as well as bringing in the city-state's establishments rather than the nomadic tribal society. The land and the people of Canaan were situated at the intersection of many different cultures between the Egyptians, Mycenaeans, Cretans, and Mesopotamian societies. They would also expand their trade to the Mediterranean Sea as well. The Canaanites are believed to have had trade routes via the sea that reached Spain and possibly as far north as England, as they were expert shipbuilders and seamen. The land of Canaan was perfectly located between North Africa, Asia, and Europe by land, and from their location at the end of the Mediterranean Sea, they had access to the ocean. The Egyptians would be the main nation that the Canaanites would trade with. As time would tell, they were also the nation that would most often hold dominance over the land of Canaan before the Israelites showed up. Because the Canaanites were between vastly different cultures, they would blend into the Canaanite cultures. For example, to bury their dead, the Canaanites would put the elite of the city-states into tombs with great grave goods, as they were called. This Egyptian practice was to bury the elite with the valuable items to help them in the afterlife. However, at the same time, the Canaanites would bury their infants under the floor of the home as this was a Mesopotamian practice. But the Canaanites wouldn't be just influenced by other cultures. They would influence others as well. So much so that we today are impacted by it. The alphabet that we use today, for the most part, comes from the Romans. They in turn got it from the Greeks. But where did the Greeks get it from? The Greeks didn't fully create their own alphabet. 
they received what the Canaanites had already had. The Canaanites were the ones who created the first alphabet, and because of their influence in the world through trade, the alphabet was then passed on to the Greeks. But it isn't just the alphabet that the Canaanites passed on to other nations. They were mathematicians, sailors, and open sea navigators. They passed their skills on in shipbuilding. They were even believed to have inspired the mythology of the Greek deities, which the Romans took from the Greeks and made Roman mythology. Even then, the Canaanites would not just be influencing the world through their traditions that they passed on. The trade network that the Canaanites built would, in its own right, become an empire. Looking far into the future history, the Romans, yes, the Romans came in direct conflict with the descendants of the Canaanites. As mentioned earlier, the Canaanites were called the Phoenicians by the Greeks. The Phoenicians also expanded their trade empire throughout the Mediterranean Sea, settling colonies that would on their own become city-states. One of these city-states would become a power almost equal to Rome. This would be the city-state of Carthage. The great city on the north coast of Africa was originally a colony settled by the Phoenicians living in Canaan. Because of the trade within the land and throughout the Mediterranean Sea, the Canaanites would become wealthy and prosperous city-states, building and defending their city-states with large and well-protected walls to defend against invaders. These are the city-states that the Israelites would come to know, the large protected cities with their armies. And because of their wealth, the Canaanites would be able to hire other nations' armies to come fight for them. These were not small tribal societies that the Israelites were facing when coming into the Promised Land. The Canaanites were, much like the Greeks later on in history, a well-established culture within the land. Yes, they were not united, but neither were the Greeks in their golden era. Now add on top of that great wealth and prosperous city-states that most of the Canaanites living in the land of Canaan were a warlike society meaning that they did almost everything in life to prepare for war. This is who the Canaanites are. They are a group of people that would become one of the largest trading empires in their golden era, with being centrally located on the land routes between Asia, Africa, and Europe, the Canaanites would continue to grow, to the point that when they went to the seas to trade, reaching the end of the world, at least the end of their known world, they were having colonies in Europe and Africa, with Carthage being one of the most notable descendants of the Canaanites. Their influence on world history is still felt today, especially through their alphabet. That doesn't necessarily answer the question of why the Lord wanted to destroy all of the people within the land of Canaan. Or does it? To some extent, it does. We now understand that the location of the land of Canaan has the potential to reach far across its borders in such a way that it influences other nations and empires. Practically speaking, for the Israelites to be a light, so to speak, to the other nations, then why not be placed at a location 
that was central to all the world's trading routes. There could be another reason, though. The Canaanites had another way that they influenced much of the world, and that was through their worship of their gods and goddesses. God does answer the question himself in Deuteronomy 9 verse 5 of why the Lord has set all the Canaanites for destruction, killing all the men, women, and children. It says that not because of Israel's righteousness or the uprightness of their heart that they are going to possess the Canaanites' land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. That is ultimately why the Lord set Israel up to take the possession of the land. Yes, it does also give the land to the Israelites, as God promised Abraham. But at the same time, the Lord wanted to remove the Canaanites because of their sin. As a side note, and we'll see this later on, the Israelites were only called to attack the Canaanites alone, no one else. However, in the pursuit of the Canaanites, other nations would step in and attack the Israelites. God never called the Israelites to attack those other nations, but because those other nations attacked Israel, they would defend themselves. An example of this would have been King Sion and King Og. Both were not Canaanites, but they attacked the Israelites. But what sin was it? What did the Canaanites do that called for their destruction? To find the answer, we're going to have to look at the religion of the Canaanites. It's important to remember that when we talk about the different gods and goddesses of the Canaanites, each city-state would worship one deity more so than another. The ancient Greek city-states would do this too. They would have a main or chief deity that they worshipped in that city. However, that doesn't mean that they had an altogether different religion. It was often the case of it just being a different aspect of the Canaanites and their religion. Throughout the Canaanite city-states, the beliefs in the deities looked pretty much the same. The origin of the world, the goddesses, and the gods, and the role of the royal family all looked pretty similar across all the city-states and the land of Canaan. Although we have discussed some of the Canaanites' religion in the past, we're going to take another look at it from the perspective of how it would bring about their destruction. The deities that came out of Canaan influenced much of the surrounding nations. Egypt, Greek, and later the Romans all had aspects of the Canaanites' religion within their society. The Canaanites' religion mainly focused on fertility in all areas of life, women giving birth, the land producing crops, and the herds reproducing. The Canaanites believed that there was one main god, his name was El, and he would become the father of all the other gods and goddesses. In Greek mythology, El would be identified as Kronos. El was believed to be the god of the sky and ruler of the divine assembly. El's partner would be Asherah who would become the mother of 70 gods, and her name means the Lady of the Sea. Eventually, the right to rule the gods and goddesses was passed on from El to his son Yam, who was the god of the sea. 
However, Yam was a tyrant in his rule over the other gods and goddesses. So his mother Asherah offered herself up as a sacrifice so that Yam would be less of a tyrant. Before she was able to offer herself as a sacrifice, another son of El stepped forward to challenge Yam, and his name was Baal. The word Baal meant Lord. He was the god of rain, thunder, and fertility. Despite Yam being given magical weapons by El, Baal was able to defeat the god of the sea. But with it came other issues. Once Baal had defeated Yam, Mot, the god of the underworld, sterility, death, and waterless deserts, lures Baal to his death. This would bring about drought and infertility on the land. However, the goddess of war and the agent of vengeance, Nat, who happens to be Baal's sister wife, finds Baal's body and takes vengeance on Mot. Anat would eventually kill Mot, but being that they are gods, both Mot and Baal come back to life. The battle would resume between Mot and Baal, but Baal would eventually win. This would leave him in complete rule over the other gods and goddesses. The battle between Mot and Baal is continual. It is believed that if the seasons for crops, herds, and women were fruitful, then Baal had won the battle. But if there was a season of infertility for crops, herds, and women, it was believed that Mot had won. The battle would be never ending, and when one god died, they would eventually come back to life. Because Baal won the right to rule, he would become the main god that was worshipped by the Canaanites. Even though, technically, El was a higher deity than Baal, Baal would receive the people's worship. Having lands, herds, and families that were fertile was what kept the people alive and thriving. So this, of course, would become the focal point of worship, as Baal was the god of fertility. The places that the Canaanites worshipped were often done on a simple stone or brick altar, often located at a high place in the topography or underneath the grove of trees. It was the way that the Canaanites worshipped that would be the real issue. Yes, the Canaanites had their typical animal sacrifices, but the Canaanites would become known for their human sacrifice, offering up their own children and babies to be burned alive. Often, human sacrifices were done after a disaster or a great loss in battle. The reason that the Canaanites would do human sacrifice is that it was believed that their god El sacrificed one of his sons after losing a war. The Canaanites had the practice of temple prostitutes. People would go to these temples to have sex with the prostitute as an act of worship or to gain favor with the deity of the temple. Another reason that female temple prostitutes were a thing was so that they could be impregnated with children that would then be dedicated to the god or goddess of the temple. If a family wanted to dedicate their child to the gods or goddesses, they would have their children go through a rite of passage. Having them pass through fire would then set the children apart for the service of Baal. 
It was this type of worship that the Canaanites performed that brought the command for the Lord to kill all of the people. But one may ask themselves, the Canaanites were not the only ones worshiping and performing these type of religious activities. So why would the Canaanites be specifically targeted? There was a curse that was given to Canaan way back in Genesis 9 verses 25 and 26. It says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers, and that Canaan would be a servant to Shem and Japheth. Taking all of this information and putting it together may help in giving us an answer. The location of the Canaanites, the religion of the Canaanites, the family curse on the Canaanites, all of these together may hold the answer. Because of the location where the Canaanites lived was a place of influence, the whole world would be affected by them through trade, traditions, and religion. All of it would be influential to the known world. Because of this influence that they held, they passed on their religion to all the other nations as well. Greek and Roman religions were based on what they received from the Canaanites. Even the Egyptians had been influenced by the Canaanites. Now, for a moment, let's just imagine what the world would have looked like if that place of influence was replaced with the Israelites. The religion that would influence the world would not have been multiple gods and goddesses practicing witchcraft, human sacrifice, and temple prostitution. It would have been replaced with the one true God that brought the Israelites out of Egypt. That was the God who was there for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The common religion would not be pleasing the gods and specific deities. It would have been the Israelites' religion, one where God had already loved the people and wanted to have a relationship once again with humankind, as it was in the Garden of Eden. This is why God wanted to set Israel up as a light to the nations, to remove the outside influence of false religions and replace the world's main religion with that of the Israelites, so that the Israelites could lead the nations back to the one true God, Yahweh. Though God was calling for the Canaanites to all be killed, it would remove the influence that they had on the world, as well as the trap for the Israelites to fall later into. God wasn't destroying the Canaanites just to destroy them. In reality, if the people within the land of Canaan wanted to become part of Israel's society, they could do so. But they would have to leave their old life, especially the part of the religion, because the Lord gave the Israelites in the Ten Commandments that there should be no other gods beside him. There was an opportunity for the Canaanites to be integrated into the Israelites' culture. Now, did many of the people choose to do so? Not really. The Canaanites weren't just this little nation of tribes. They were world influencers. They would influence the other nations around them from the vast connection of trade via the sea as well as land. Because of their religious practice, God wanted to remove them and replace them with the Israelites. That way, 
The world influencers would not be a culture of false gods and goddesses, but of the one true God. Through the Israelites, the Lord was providing a way for the whole world to come back and to a relationship with him, just like it was before the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Now that we have looked at why the Lord was wanting to remove the Canaanites from the land, it's time for the Israelites to begin stepping into what the Lord had promised their forefathers hundreds of years before, to take the land as a possession. So join us next time in episode 61, Balaam, Diviner or Prophet? Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.